Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Southern Ontario. It is February the 5th. Thank you for joining me this evening. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, the healthcare crisis that's going on across Canada. Thank you for joining me. Well, good evening. I hope everybody uh, has had a great weekend. And of course, that is coming to a close. Another work week coming up or whatever you're going to be doing this week. And I can certainly tell you that the weather here across southern Ontario has gotten so much better. And um, temperatures uh, staying above um, freezing. Um pretty much well up right up to the uh the 20th of of this month so um heading in the right direction so i mean we still you know i mean groundhog day was only three days ago so i mean still it's six more weeks of winter but you know all in all it's um anyways here across ontario um you know this week past was was the coldest um that we have seen here in Southern Ontario <clears throat> for the entire winter. So yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, much better that way. So it's good. And start people start to, um, looking forward to, um, spring coming along. Hopefully it's an early spring, like the little rodent groundhogs <clears throat> out there. Wyerton Willie in particular, since it's going to be an early spring. So hopefully that's the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully that's, that's the case. So, of course, um, you know, issues, 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 and plenty of them, you know, here across um, Canada. Our healthcare system, the universal healthcare system that we, I guess we could say we take it for granted, you know, um, now I had it on here, it should be coming down to the bottom of here, so I didn't want that. And it'll only take a second here if I had to do something else. But anyways, our so our universal health care really, you know, is paid through our tax dollars. And so Canadians and um, so we have that access to the medical care um, that we need. 
you know, we can uh, visit our doctor. We don't have to have a copay. Doctor can prescribe uh, medications. Now, when it comes to the medications, um, if you don't have any, um, you know, benefits at work, you know, that covers medications, unfortunately, you have to pay for those out of your pocket. People on a disability or people on social on social services, um, they they get medication, they, they get dental, they get um, eyeglasses, um, and so on. And of course, any other medical, you know, procedures um, through the universal health care, people are, you go to the hospital, you know, you don't have any out of pocket to pay. If you need a medication or medications in the hospital, the doctor provides you those medications for free while you're, while you're staying in hospital. Um, <clears throat> surgical procedures, you know, even if it's just, you know, cataracts or, um, you know, you're, it, it might be like a, could be like a knee operation, hip operation, you know, anything like that. It doesn't cost you anything. And, um, heart surgery, bypasses, anything like that. It's all covered under the Ontario hospital insurance plan. So then we say, well, okay, so we have all these things. So, you know, why are we in a crisis? Why is this healthcare in a crisis? Not just here in Ontario, right across the country, right? The provincial governments and the governments in the three territories, this coming Tuesday, they're having a meeting with the prime minister and they'd be talking about healthcare transfers from the federal government to the provincials. I was reading an article earlier today. And so, you know, uh, British Columbia and the West coast of Canada, uh, they are, you know, really like they're, they're, they're i mean they're taking their money what they have and and they're you know putting it back in to the care they're not looking at putting money out to the private to the private sector where here in ontario the premier of ontario his way of of, of um Okay, for, for an example, we, we have backlogs on, uh, backlogs on, you know, surgeries like people who need cataract, cataract surgery or, or, you know, this is what they're starting with, something simple, right? Moving forward into other surgeries like knee replacement, hip, hip replacements, and then moving further into other surgeries into the private sector. So, so far that, you know, the premier of Ontario has taken $18 million out of our Ontario health insurance plan, hospital insurance plan 
and has given it to the private healthcare to start performing the, the, these backlogs of cataract surgeries. Eventually, it's going to, you know, CAT scans and MRIs is, is all going to eventually get uh, put in into the private sector. But according to, to the premier, it's, we have our green health card. You know, we just hand it to, to the private sector and we don't pay anything out of pocket. And I was reading another article and uh, a, so for the, for the operating room, she works in the operating rooms and she says the operating rooms are not 24 seven. They are on a schedule, you know, you know, Monday to Friday, unless there's an emergency that they need to operate. Throughout the evening and night, these operating rooms are vacant. They're available. So why is he taking $18 million so far out of our, out of our healthcare here in Ontario and giving it to the private practice? The other problem, you know, waiting times, you know, in our, in our emergency departments. It went as high as 22 hours. People coming in by ambulance, non-emergencies coming in by ambulance, you know, because an emergency is a heart attack, uh, a stroke, a gunshot wound, car accident. Those are emergencies. They're coming in by ambulance. They're going right through. Others are coming in by ambulance because, you know, either they don't drive and they felt, well, maybe I go by ambulance is going to be quicker. And for the non-urgent matters, if you come in by ambulance, that was probably at least a good 12 hours. And this is holding up, you know, the paramedics. Bed shortages is another issue. Now, what's going on with that? You know, our premier comes up with an idea and that, okay, we have a bed shortage. How are we going to solve this? So we'll look at the elderly. First and foremost, hospitals are not long-term care homes. A hospital is a place when you go in, you're sick, you get better, and you go home. People stayed in the hospitals for long periods of time. Long-term, long-term uh, care homes and nursing homes, well, they're full as well. But the premier of Ontario says, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you five choices of a long-term care home, right? So you get your five choices. If your first choice is not available and your second choice comes up and you refuse because you want your first choice and you refuse to take that second choice, 
they will bill you $400 a day. Because you don't want to take that second choice for that long-term care home. So, $400 a day, you know, times seven days is $2,800 a week times four, four weeks is $11,200 for the month if you refuse to take your second choice. The other issues that we're having with this is, is that, okay, you know, within big city limits, you could be transferred, you know, within a 45 mile radius of your home. In the rural areas in Northern Ontario, it could be over a hundred mile radius. Family members, you know, they have to be able to visit you. And how many times, like for instance, in, in the rural areas in Northern Ontario, how many, so, so let's say, you know, you did take your, your first choice came available and, and you took it. And so for an example, with, with the Northern Ontario, you're a hundred miles radius of, from your home, how many times do you think per week do you think that, that the loved ones are going to come and visit you? Once a week, probably. Maybe every two weeks they come and visit you. Even a 45-mile radius, I mean, that's still, you know, quite the distance. Long-term care nursing homes are full. I think the wait time is something around six months. Might be a little sooner if you're in hospital. It might be as little as four months, but that's still four months. You know, wait time. And this came into effect last year. And so far, you know, nothing's changed. You know, so... Here we are, so we're stuck in this in this one spot, you know, with you know our, our most vulnerable, the elderly, you know, in a hospital. We've been in a hospital a long time. Can't even get into a nursing home. Wait times for a bed, you know, you're you're waiting, you, you know, you're waiting. A couple days. Hallway, hallway healthcare. That was pre-pandemic. We could, I could go back five years, and we had hallway healthcare because we don't have the beds. They didn't rectify the problem then. And now the problem is worse. The pandemic was no help. The pandemic made it even worse. One out of every two nurses are leaving the nursing occupation. One out of two. 
burnout, stress, anxiety. And now, you know, to clear up backlogs of, of you know, just minor, <clears throat> minor surgeries and sending this money to the private sectors. Where do you think some of these nurses are going to go? Because they're going to, because because the private sector, they're going to need nurses. I mean, if we have a three-year backlog, do you think that just by giving money to 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 the private sector that it's it's going to clear it up any faster? It's just it's just gonna it's just gonna create another log jam. The wait list is still there. Nurses are leaving not only because of burnout and stress and anxiety, you know, um, they don't have, you know, no longer bargaining in, in collective agreement. Provincial government says, okay, this is what you're getting, like it or lump it. We'll give you a 1% raise for four years. Why not like two and a half percent? Or maybe 3%. You know, I, I think nurses earn it. I think they deserve it. The, the provinces are, like I said, there's a, a, a meeting with the prime minister on Tuesday to talk about healthcare transfer funds from the government. Right now, the, gov the federal government is only uh, submitting 21%. The provinces want 35% coming from the federal government. The NDP leader in the federal government is, you know, is saying to the prime minister, say, look, If we're, if we're giving more money to the provinces, if we have provinces that are giving the money to the private sector, when this money is supposed to go right back into our hospitals, right back into this universal health care. Are there things that the federal government can do? You know, because it's all provincially ran, right? It's it's it, the the each province has their their health care. Ours is the Ontario Hospital Insurance Plan. It's not federal jurisdiction; it's provincial. Now, if, if provincial governments can just do as they please with their money. You know, there, there was no public input allowed in, in, into this decision. You know, uh, not even from, from the medical field to have their say. We're vo they're voicing it now. Like they never had, you know, like a, uh, 
a meeting to discuss this, you know, from different groups. No, Doug Force says, nope, this is what we're doing. This is going to be permanent. And of course, as things, you know, go on, more surgicals and everything are going to be moving out of our hospitals into the private sector. More money would be pumped to that area. And it's not being kept in our hospitals, not being kept to pay our nurses and our doctors. We could potentially, potentially lose our doctors to the private sector. Creating wave after wave after wave problems. Can't even fix, we can't even fix one problem. We have people who, who uh, immigrate to Canada. They were nurses in, in the countries where they came from. So they immigrate to Canada, but they can't practice their nursing here. They then have to go back through the whole nursing program, which is between four and five years. The government, the government won't even uh, fast track them. I was reading an article the other day, I believe it was the, the Windsor Hospital. They have like 700 vacancies in the nursing in that hospital, 700 vacancies. That is not good. You know, everybody says, oh, Canada's, oh man, you guys are, you guys are so lucky. You've got this universal health care. You don't have to pay, pay out of pocket and, and stuff like that. Well, we pay it through our taxes. It comes, you know, we get taxed, right? You get taxes come, we pay provincial tax, we pay federal tax. It comes off our, comes off our pay, off our, off our paychecks. So yeah, in a way we do pay for it. And when, and when we need care, you know, we don't have to pay anything outside of pocket. You know, it used to be that once every two years, you could go and get a free eye exam. Now you can't. Whether it was the the the, uh, the conservative party or or the liberal party, once it was the NDP party who who was running Ontario, but generally it's been back and forth between the uh, the liberals and the conservatives, <clears throat> and throughout decades, you know, um, cutting spending and the healthcare and stuff like that. It's like, well, where's this money going? This, this money that you're saving, you think you're saving, where's this money going? I, I mean, like you're giving yourself pay raises with it. I mean, did it take a crisis to have a crisis? 
was this crisis going to happen anyways? This, you know, never mind the pandemic. Let's, you know, just say this push the pandemic aside for the last couple of years, three years, push that aside. <clears throat> Were we going to have this crisis in the first place? Was it uh, was it an uh, an unforeseeable unfor, uh, unforeseeable crisis? Uh, you know, just well, the pandemic just you know made it worse. I would support something temporarily. If he's going to give our tax dollars to the private sector to help clear up the backlogs of minor elective surgeries until we get that part of it under control, I would support that. But on a permanent basis, and then adding other other healthcare into the private sector from our tax dollars, I will not support it. I don't know what the prime minister is going to say to that coming Tuesday when they're going to be meeting with all the premiers from the uh, 10 provinces and three territories on Tuesday. That, that topic is, is going to be brought up, is going to be talked about. For the government to give another, you know, 15%, let's say, to the provinces and, and uh, to help, you know, better the situation, you know, by hiring more nurses, you know, let's pay the the Let's pay the nurses. Is what we need to do. And we need to make it, it, it attractive. And we need to attract more nurses. We need publicly funded, or if we could even, you know, you know, publicly funded long-term care homes it's private private care home stuff like that you know um, they're not regulated you know that's also a problem I don't know how you can take I, I, I don't know how you can take for you know for an example I don't know how you can take something that's already full, lift it and move it and try to put it into something that is already full. It doesn't go in because that other part has to be empty. You can't, you can't take a, like, you know, children, they take a full toy box. They can't put toys into a full toy box because it's already full. So we can't move patients from hospitals to long-term care homes because they're already full. So his, so his plan of, okay, well, you don't, you know, you've got your five choices and your first choice isn't available. You got to take your second choice. If that, if there's available space, 
And if there wasn't one there, well, there might be a third choice, might be a fourth choice. But we're, we're still talking months down the road before anything like that happens. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's just a lot of aggravation. I mean, we've had people, uh, you know, we've had people who have gone to the emergency department and they're waiting. <clears throat> people have died waiting, died waiting in the emergency room, in, in, in the waiting area. That's just unacceptable. You don't even have enough staff to monitor patients waiting to see a doctor. Never mind the ones coming in by ambulance. I mean, you know, the, the paramedics, I mean, I mean, they, they, they're, they've sounded the alarm. You know, a paramedic, you know, the paramedics, they go pick up a patient from the home. They take them to the hospital. They remain with that patient until they've been so they get assessed, but they still have not seen the doctor. So they can't leave that patient because the nurse has gone off to do something else because they don't have enough nurses. The morning shift comes in to relieve that paramedic. And then when that paramedic comes back in the next shift, he relieves that paramedic that released it, that, 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 you know, relieved them in the morning. This is just unacceptable. We have emergency departments like in small rural towns, you know, closing, you know, earlier than they should because they don't have staff. And then they have to come into the big cities, which by the way, like I said, is already full. We have, you know, here in the city of London with a population of just over 400,000, you know, we have um, so, so there's so, so we have two two hospitals that are um, so, that, so where the emergency departments stay open 24-7. We have another hospital that's just an urgent care, which is just functioning from, you know, um, Monday to Friday, you know, from 8 p.m. until 4 p.m. and then weekends from 11 till 5, you know. And that's, you know, we have walking clinics, you know, uh, more people could access the walking clinics. <clears throat> depending on the severity of how you feel. And of course your children, you know, <clears throat> you know, the severity of their symptoms and stuff like that. I mean, would it be, you know, go to a walking clinic and they just tell you to go to the emergency anyway. So they just go to the emergency, right? Which probably would be, would be the best choice when it, when it, when it comes to yourself, you know, especially children. But when we don't have the staff to run 
that operation. It's a real problem. I think the nurses are being treated unfairly. I really do. You know, for, 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 for the work that they do, you know, it's just unprecedented. It, it just really is, you know. And, you know, for the government, you know, I see, I, you know, I just see them, you know, being treated like second-class citizens, you know. So what? You're a nurse. You know, this is what you get. You know, you get $18 an hour, $20 an hour, you know, too bad. You know, putting in all the hours that they put in over the first couple of years, even the first few months of this pandemic, when it all happened and everything, all, all hell broke loose. <clears throat> No, they got sick too. You know, they're human beings. Frontline workers. You know, there was a time, you know, throughout the pandemic where, where people and, and, and the police and everybody, you know, drove around in front of the emergency departments and honking their horns and people on the sidewalks, everybody clapping and, you know, being so appreciative of, 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 of the nurses. But the government, sir, isn't showing that. Yes, we need more transfer payments from the federal government. They need to put more money into it. It used back, back years and years and years ago when, when the universal health Healthcare was set up and, and and got going. It was 50-50. And slowly the federal government backed off the funds, backed off the funds, backed off the funds. And now like they're sitting like a, they're at 21%. You could just call it 20% that they're, you know, the transfer payments going to the provinces. Rest is all taxpayers' money. So the other 80% coming in is all taxpayers' money. So, and, and they've been echoing this for a while, you know, the premiers, you know, across Canada saying the federal government needs to step up and they need to transfer more money and they need, it needs to be at, at least 35%. You know, doctors too, I mean, they're, they're saying, you know, this, this transferring funds to um, the private sector. I mean, this, this is, you know, this is just a band-aid. That's all this is. It's a band-aid effect. And, and, you know, once the band-aid comes off, we're going to still be fake. We're still going to be looking at the same problem. This band-aid is not going to heal this problem because we haven't solved the first problem. Right? Isn't it 
you know, I mean, weren't, weren't we, weren't we told that, you know, we need to solve one problem at, at a time? Because if you try to solve all your problems all at once, you become overwhelmed. You, you have anxiety, you get stressed. Because now everything is all scattered. It's all in the mess. You, you, now you can't fix the problem. It's not that we, you know, growing up, is that not we were taught? You fix, so you go head on with the one problem and you fix it. And then you move on to the next problem and you fix it. You know, it's like, it's like a, 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 a math equation. And you got hundreds of them. You try to solve them all at the same time. Unless you're just a freaking genius. That you can do something like that. You know. When we have issues in our lives and stuff like that. You know. It's not just as simple as fixing a math equation. Or solving a math equation. mental issues, mental illness and other physical problems and, and, and health issues that goes on with us, stuff like that, we have to address one problem at a time. And this is what the, the Ontario government needed to do and they're not doing it. Passing it off is just throw a band-aid on that, throw a band-aid on, throw a band-aid on that. <clears throat> You know, it's like, you know, a doctor giving you, you know, pres uh, prescription drugs for all for all your health issues. You know, just mask, just masquerade all your health problems with medications. Make sure you take them all. You got like 15 bottles of pills. You know, oh, wait a minute. We can put that in the blister pack for you. You know, so everything is organized to help you mask all your health issues. Well, what do we tackle the, 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 the root of the, of the problem? No, the medications will help. Okay, it'll mask it. Don't worry about it. Take it. Go away. This is what the government is doing. It's masking. It's just masking the problem. It's unfortunate that the government doesn't see that. The Ontario government doesn't see that, and and, and you know, for, and for you know, for for British Columbia on the west coast, I mean, for good reason, they're they're saying that's you know that's not working, that's not going to work for us. If they think it's going to work for Ontario, I mean, that's Ontario's problem. That's not our problem. Our problems are our problems, and we're gonna if the if the government is going to give us you know, more money when the federal government is going to give us more money to, to the provinces, then we're going to take that money and we're going to keep it here in the public health care system. So we're going to address these problems here. We're not going to masquerade them out. We're not going to just send them out and just have a band-aid effect on stuff and, and spend millions of dollars elsewhere. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just like, you know, um, 
jamming up a, a, a creek or a river with logs. And then other problems come along. We have to move it somewhere. Where am I going to move it? What am I going to do with this? <clears throat> well, we can dig a channel this way until that fills up. Well, now that's all backed up. I mean, we shouldn't be having this issue here in Canada at all. Now, this this meeting with the, the prime minister, you know, so, so the prime minister is saying right now, he's saying that, you know, that he has been clear that a deal is not going to be finished this week. But, you know, so here is how he says we're going to get to this point and what they're going to and what they're going to be talking about. So on Tuesday in Ottawa, um, Canada's uh, premiers um, are going to meet with the prime minister. They'll sit around uh, the same table in person for the first time since COVID nineteen, hoping to find a path forward to long for to a new long uh, term health care funding deal. So money, 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 money. Everybody wants money. We need money. So this year, Canada is, expe is expected to transfer almost $88 billion to the provinces and territories for health, education, social supports, equalization, the Canada health transfer. And the, uh, uh, yeah, the Canada health transfer is $45.2 billion or 51% of that. So in their 2022-23 budget, the provinces collectively forecast to spend 203.7 billion on healthcare. The Ontario transfer um, accounts for 22% of that. And the provinces want that increase to 35%, uh, which means it would be 26 billion more this year alone. So 26 billion if this happens it'd be 26 billion more this year alone and what is premier doug ford our premier of ontario what do you think you know so you got 10 provinces and three territories you divvy that up to 26 billion dollars so is that just more money for for the premier of ontario to give it to the private private sector I mean, we're pissed off enough. So the prime, so the prime minister intends to put an offer on the table Tuesday. It will not be an immediate increase of twenty-six billion, but Ottawa has been silent on you know where that will land. So if we're going to take twenty-six billion dollars, you know, we're going to transfer it over. Over a year, we're going to transfer it over a couple years. You know, this is how this is going to work. You know, um, 
Now, see, in 1995, then the finan uh, finance minister, Paul Martin, <clears throat> uh, a desperate to turn around Canada's debt problem, slashed the health and social transfer by 20%, followed by a 15% cut in 1996. And some provinces had said their health systems have never recovered. And that's probably true. <clears throat> And the Conservatives uh, under Prime Minister Stephen Harper kept that in place, but told the province that in 2017-2018, that increase would be based on a three-year average of economic growth, but with a minimum increase of at least 3%. So, okay, so we'll put it up to, you know, 24%. Never happened. So over the last 10 years, um, the CHT has increased 67% to $45 billion from about $27 billion. You know, um, the data or the lack of is a long-standing weakness of Canada's uh, federalized system with, with 13 separate healthcare systems working alongside one another, but not necessarily in tandem. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of money, you know, if, you know, uh, and, and what, it, it, you know, are, is there going to be strings attached? You know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll transfer X amount of dollars to each province. But this money is not to be sent to private. And if you do, then we'll just cut you off. And you just remain with the money you get from your taxpayers and then deal with it. You know, 27, you know, 2017 on mental health and home care will be a bit of a model. Those deals saw Ottawa promise $11.5 billion over 10 years um, for the two areas. But in exchange, provinces had to agree to a common set of principles and goals um, and to report results. So the Canadian Institutes for Health Information was tapped to help collect and publish data. And the most recent report in December is still laden with gaps of incomplete data. And the reports knows that it will take time for reporting to lead to the change and that provinces need to harmonize their data collection in order to better compare statistics across, across the lines. So what's taking so long to get that data? That's just, this was strings attached. This is why we gave you this money. <clears throat> we want to see progress. You know, mental, mental, or mental health and mental illness, you know, is a serious problem. In addictions, we can't even fix our homeless problem. 
We can't even fix it. You know, they, 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 they thought back, you know, they said that it'll take roughly, you know, 10 years. Well, that's something we should have started 10 years ago. But we didn't. It's a crisis. And they're just acting now. And I talked about it earlier on my show at 8 o'clock this morning. And maybe you want to check out that episode. The housing shortages that we're facing here across the country. Affordable housing. Meaning people on disabilities or on social service or people on low income who are working minimum wage or just above minimum wage and stuff like that. We need affordable housing. They have built, they've, 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 you know, last, you know, four years, they've, they've, they've built a couple places for, for uh, low income. So, I mean, it is in the works. We still have a long ways to go. And across this country, there's something like 35,000 Canadians who are homeless across the entire country. It's unacceptable. One person homeless is unacceptable. One person waiting over 20 hours to, 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 to see a doctor in the hospital is unacceptable. People have, have died waiting in the waiting rooms of the emergency departments. That is unacceptable. How is Doug Ford's problem of, of, uh, of uh, or his plan of electric, sur- electric surgery moving them out of the <coughs> public system in, into the private system? How's, gonna, how's that going to f- fix our, our emergency room waiting problem? How's it going to fix that? How's it going to fix our, our, our nursing shortages? How's it going to fix our doctor sor- uh, uh, um, shortages? There's something like 6 million Canadians who do not have a family doctor. 6 million Canadians do not have a family doctor. How are we going to solve that problem? Like I said, you, you got to solve one problem at a time. So we got all these problems, and and by moving, you know, uh, by try to trying to first first and foremost, let me explain this to you. So 
the premier of Ontario moves, you know, the, the elective surgeries to the private sector. We as Canadians, we have our health care. We can use our health care. We won't have to pay for, you know, cataracts <clears throat> to get your cataracts done and, and stuff like that. But that could have been done in our hospitals where these operating rooms when they're vacant and we could share it. Okay. We could, you know what? We could split this <clears throat> just to clear up the black, the, the backlog, but that's not happened. It's not happening. He never mentioned that. But the other thing is now they're, they're concerned about is upsell. The other thing they're, they're concerned about, are the nurses going to go and work in the private sector? Because they're going to get paid more money. If you want to keep your nurses, you got to fix that problem. And that problem, you know, not just giving them more money, but improving their working conditions. So let's just, if they can, if the government can, can work on one thing and just do it as a, uh, a, a, a part-time, you know, just help clear the backlog. Fine. Do it that way. But that's not what he's going to do. He's going to continue adding more and more and more to the private sector. It costs more money. Is what it costs. So, I mean, for Ontario, I mean, okay, so we get X amount of dollars from the government and stuff like that. I mean, is that going to drain that money? You know, because eventually it's going to be knee surgery. It's going to be hip surgery. You know, it's going to be MRIs. It's going to be CAT scans. And what else will be coming after that? I don't know. I have no idea. And we're certainly not prepared to pay out of pocket. That's just not going to happen. Mismanagement is bad. Is it just bad management on the government's part? hoping that the problems just go away all by themselves. You know, it's like the, you know, it's like the homeless. Okay. We got, we got homeless shelters and you know, we got a place to stay. But there's so many people are homeless. Not everybody gets into the shelter. There's still people sleeping in the streets or wherever they can.
setting up tent encampments. Oh, it's okay. That, that they, they got it under, under control. They got it under control. Well, no, they don't, and they never have. And the other reason, and then the other issues, you know, that haven't been addressed, you know, with, with mental illness or addiction. I think it was last year alone, here in the city of London, we, we where where I reside, eighty individuals died from overdose. Eighty. Vancouver, British Columbia, on the Lower East Side. It was in the hundreds, and even higher. Probably, probably, you know, I, I would say over even a span of a year and a half is like a thousand people uh, have died from overdose. Yes, we have um, safe injection sites. I was just reading a story the other day. Um, uh, Windsor, I was reading, I was reading the, uh, a Windsor article and um so they, they so they're uh, have a have a, a place for safe injection sites, and small businesses. Uh, there's a there's a hotel there. There's a, a a McDonald's across the street, and you know that small business community is saying, "Not in my backyard." Even the mayor of Windsor voted against it. Harm reduction. This is what these sites are for. It's just not a place you walk in there, shoot up as much as you want and shit and whatever. You know, this is harm reduction. And the people there, people who are working there, they are professionals when it comes to addiction. You know, methadone clinics. You know, methadone was, was, was designed to, you know, okay, you know, you, you start with, you start with, you know, a high doses of methadone and then we start working you down, we're working you off. But how do you do that when people keep still continue to keep doing meth? It doesn't work. You know, and that puts all this stuff, you know, with addiction and mental health and stuff like that. I mean, that puts a strain on the healthcare system. It really does. And we need the funding and we need the more funding from the federal government. And we need to keep our nurses and we need to hire more nurses. We need to hire more doctors. There should be no reason, you know, over 6 million Canadians don't have a family doctor. 
And what else are they, I mean, what else are they trying to access? I mean, they, they, they go in and see a doctor at a walk-in clinic. You know, they, they're, they, I mean, they do take patients, but they have enough patients to deal with. They, yes, they will see you for your problem. Give you something and send you on your way. You know, give you that, give you that, 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 that mask medication to mask your problem, your health condition, and just send you on your way. Make sure you take your medication. Not address, not be able to sit down and, 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 and get right to the, to the root of your health condition. And even when they do, well, here's some medication. Oh, you need insulin now. The pills are not working anymore, so now you need insulin. For your diabetes. You know, I go to my doctor. And I start talking about, you know, different things. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. One problem, you got 15 minutes. You want to talk about your other problems, you got to make an appointment. But I'm already here. Nope. One problem. You have another problem or another problem, another problem, another problem. You got to make appointments for each separate problem that you have. Not like before. I used to be, you know, when I was you know, a kid or a teenager, I'd go see my family doctor. You know, he, you know he'll sit with you, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you an hour. You talk about anything you want to talk about. Any issues that you have, it didn't matter. You come in, you could you could come in there, you know, with a phone book of problems. And he'll sit there, talk to you about it. Go right through every single page. <clears throat> and the reason why is because they got because there's no other doctor. We we got a shortage of doctors, so they they have a limited time to spend with a patient. And we don't have enough in the hospital. We don't have enough doctors in the hospital. We don't have enough nurses in the hospital. And he was just want the premier of Ontario just wants to, you know, oh, we'll just put $20 million over here. Just for cataracts, starting off with cataract surgery, you know, fire out $20 million to the private sector. That's just bullshit. It's unbelievable. You know, I just wait to see what's next. You know, we, I mean, we still got another three years of his bullshit. I don't know how he got reelected in the first place, but he did. Anyways, that's why we vote. See, I vote so I can bitch and complain about it. So I have to see what happens on Tuesday. So when I find out what happens on Tuesday, you know, of course that those talks, I mean, it's probably not going to resolve anything. Like I said, it's not going to, you know, things are not going to, happen immediately so at least we'll have a little bit more insight about what they're going to be talking about and then you know when i you know look at it and want to talk about it it'll be like it'll, it'll be like next saturday right because i mean if you weren't on my shows this uh you know this weekend you know i, I i've sat down and 
I said to myself, I said, self, you want to do more shows. How are we going to go about this? The weekdays seem to work for a week. Last week was just a total disaster. Like this, this week, this past was just a total disaster. So myself said to me, well, why don't you do four shows on the weekend? And I said to myself, I said, self, what do you mean? And myself said, well, do Saturday morning show, do, do a Saturday evening show, do a Sunday morning, do a Sunday e- evening. And there, voila, you have your four shows in one week. I couldn't thank myself enough. That's hilarious. I'm, you know, I'm sitting here and just trying not to laugh. I'm telling you, that's just funny. So, yeah, so that's what the plan is. Saturday morning, Saturday evening. So it would be like Saturday mornings at, at, um, what time I do my Saturday morning thing? I think it was 8.30 Saturday morning yesterday. And then it was Saturday night. I think it was 9.30. It was between 9 and 9.30 anyways. And then this morning, I think it was 8.30. And then tonight, of course, 8 p.m. So, but they're gonna, the shows are going to be put up because it gives me plenty of time, you know, to think about stuff. And get it up long before next weekend comes along. So, I mean, if you know, if you're on Podbean and you're looking to listen to, to upcoming live shows and stuff like that, you're going to see the Truckers Podcast, FYI, um, set up for the, the, the day and the time. So, and it will be Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday nights. That's how I can do it. I mean, I tried. Two weeks ago, I tried. It went well. I did Tuesday right to Friday. And then I thought, okay, this is going to be good. You know, but this past week, I thought, no. You know, after everything, you know. Getting in, you know, for for an example, Friday, you know, just passed. I did not walk into my front door until 8.30 at night from work. And I started at 6.30 in the morning. And there's just no possible way that I'd be able to do a to do a show. And if I had one up, I'd have to cancel it. So, and I don't want to, you know, you're my listeners, you know, out there, and, and followers, and, and and everything, and and I appreciate you coming on my show and listening to my show. And I know that you go on other podcasts and listen to podcasts. I do. I do the same thing too and stuff like that. It's all great. It's, you know, and of course I want to keep you coming back. And, and when you come on my show, I want to keep you engaged. You know, I want to keep you on here for the whole hour and a bit that I'm here, you know, and that's, that's, a, you know, and that's important to me and you're important to me. So I want to thank you for joining me this evening. 
Of course, it's Sunday now, um, a new week uh, coming up. Um, so get out there and, and do what you got to do and, and do and do your very best. And we will be back together again on uh, what is the, what is next Saturday? I don't even know what next Saturday's date is at this very moment. I think it's the, uh, oh, it's the 11th. So Saturday, February the 11th. I'm going to write this time down because then I'll forget and I'll put some other time in there, stuff like that. Let's just go 9 a.m. 9 a.m. next Saturday on the 11th here on the Trucker Podcast. And the episode will be up long before that. You can check back to see what's up there. You'll be able to click on it and see what the show is going to be about. And it's probably going to be more likely, you know, uh, part of the show is probably going to be what did the premiers and the, and the, and the prime minister talk about on Tuesday? Where is this headed? How long is it going to take to get this this transfer, these monies, these money transfers to the provinces? What is going to what strings are going to be attached to this? You know, I I don't think it's just going to be a one day talk. I think they're going to be probably meeting again, but at least it's a start, and it'd be something to talk about next Saturday on the eleventh. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening and your upcoming week. And we'll meet again next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug from Ontario, Canada. Thank you, everyone. Make it